The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Time back on the Sour Hour. Got Jester King back on this episode. What's up, Jester King? Hey guys. Hey. Hey there. Thank you for joining us. We still got Tasty. He's hanging in there. I am here. You might need a nap. You just not like you said before. No, it's no, not it's morning. I don't need a nap until like two. Two. <laughs> okay. Well, that's. I mean, we're coming yeah, up on that. Yeah, that's right. We'll be done by then. Yeah. If you need to just lie down in the middle of the show, that's oh, thank fine. You. Yeah, I'll, nice I'll poke you. I like this show a lot. Didn't let me do that on the other one. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, they let Doc though. He they kind of. <laughs> I think they they kind of take advantage of you. I on think the they, I, it's kind of like yeah. a. I can sense some. They're you know, exploiting you. Yeah. Yeah, they're exploiting me for sure. See the seeds I'm selling right now. <laughs> I'm but, but I have like a half a dozen friends out there that say they like to hear what I say, so I come to come to talk to them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Happy you're here. Yeah. yeah, happy you could join us today. Man, I wish I had my taste. Do you know how much I miss my tasty drop board tasty? Oh, my God. Janice Brown? Janice <laughs> Brown. Yep, yep. And you'll get to meet me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's what's going on? You, How many active collabos do you have out there oh, right now? Well, Zero? I don't know. Not that many this Ten? What? No, no. There's, you're uh, all over the place. Uh, three. Oh, I know you have uh, the triple thing at Heretic. The Evil Three. Evil Three. I have... Uh, a beer with faction called Vapor. It's a California common. And you made that before, right? Is that the yeah, first time? Yeah, that's or the third time we've made yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And uh, the third one is a uh, Janice Brown Light. It's a sessionable Janice Brown. Excuse me? Which I brewed at uh, Benoit Casper. Janice Brown. Benoit light. Brown. I got it in, didn't I? So what's yeah, the light? What's the, what This is a session version. It's like 4.8%. Still hoppy. Still got so the there, malt. It's 4.8, 6.5, and the other one's 78 you happy how it came out, representative? Kind of you just should. a scaled-down Janice? Yeah. We had a little issue. We fixed it. Do you want to elaborate on that, or we'll move on? Well, you know, the mal- maltodextrin <laughs> will actually add a lot of body to your beer if you ever have a beer that, you know, you can add it after the fact. I read you loud and clear. Yeah. Got it. I'm going to try that out. It's okay to be gay on the inside. Sure. <laughs> it's like it's okay to be white on the inside, black on the outside. <laughs> what are you talking about? What? Who is that asshole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I changed my voice. I can wow. deny all those. Uh, that's the attitude. So good, uh, these crazy times, that's the leadership. Oh, he wants money out of me, I can tell. It's okay to be gay on the inside. It's so good. Classic. So good. Gold. All right. That's way back. And recover. Last year I had four of them. Anyway. Every year, I, uh, in the last two years, I've done an event at City Beer called mm-hmm. Tasty Night. Or they're all there at the same time. And about three people show up for that. It's really cool. <laughs> cool. I have no comment on it. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's half of the people who enjoy yeah, listening to you on the friends. session. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I have no comment on anything where you get a drink beer. You know about that? About what? There's a rule? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking? Oh, uh, I did. No, you're fine. Oh. People like me. Oh, because be you're careful. in the biz. You have a license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to be careful about that. Yeah. Do you know about that, Avery? Where you have to... Talk about like where your beer is. Can't see where your so beer. many places. Three, three places at least, all on the same level. Yeah, Can't pump anyone else. I still, I thought I was under the impression that that changed as of Jan one. I allowed last year. Yeah, yeah, I remember we talked about it. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember now. But yeah, I'm just, just playing it safe. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Because right. podcasts are forever, just like diamonds. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like evidence could be used in a court. That's you know? true. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have a GoFundMe legal account from the listeners one day, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty careful, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm overly careful. Yeah, I'd say. I'd say too much, yeah. Cool. All right. Call and say if I'm overly careful. 888-401-BEER. Join us in the chat. Email Scott. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Watch us live right now. Thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. Listen live. Get the Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile. Speaking of apps, get the Brew Guru app. Or you're getting apps. You know, you might as well. Brew Guru. It's built for homebrewers and beer lovers. It delivers sage brewing knowledge, not just sage, and money-saving <laughs> deals at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew, homebrew supply shops. The American Homebrewers Association designed this powerful mobile app to help homebrewers and craft beer lovers like Tasty explore the wide world of beers we all share. Exactly. With Brew Guru, you can effortlessly find deals and save money on beer, food, and brewing supplies, which Tasty did as he walked up to the building that we're currently in, yeah. but it's actually the Brewing Network, <laughs> the Brewing Network World studios. Headquarters mm-hmm. and Studios. You can also level up your brew IQ up to Tasty's level, which is like 145 or something, with hand-picked articles, proven recipes, and trusted resources from the AHA and Zymergy Magazine. And use the powerful brewery locator to find nearby brewers, taprooms, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops, plus brew pubs, wherever you are. Brew Guru will lead you to good beer. Get the app today, Scott. And follow the path to Beery Enlightenment. It's free for iPhone, iPad, Android devices. Might need a nap at the end of this. Learn more <laughs> at homebrewersassociation.org. There you go. Brew Guru. Brew Guru. All right. Also, you're going to subscribe, hopefully, to the show. That's how you're going to get it right away. Obviously, we're in the middle of doing a lot of shows here in February, but this will come out March. We've got another show next week with mm-hmm. uh, Mike Tonsmeyer, yep. the author of American Sour Beers, a seminary work. That's a word. Trap on the vocab. Mm-hmm. You talk so good. No, no <laughs> jokes off that. Okay, no, not a thing. This yeah. isn't a session. Yep. <laughs> get classic. to the sour beer, Goodwin. <laughs> Jesus, I wore tied. Subscribe and get all these episodes that we're cramming in all at once uh, on iTunes, and leave us some feedback while you're at it. Which we're going to get into right now, Scott. Review of the week. We need to lower the treble on that or something. I, or is that just a my voice kind of thing where I cringe? Oh, you're, you're hearing your own voice back, and you think it's too high? Yeah. Well, that's up there. Fingernails on a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, well. should be, uh, you should be our side of this. No, you, you sound, because you're hearing yourself, it's different. Yeah. I, I listen to this other podcast. I've talked to Scott about it. It's my favorite one, Around the NFL football podcast mm-hmm. yeah. um, from NFL Network. And they do this sound drop now where it's someone, like, eating a pickle. Yeah. It's like... Crunching into a pickle, yeah. and the, the, the listeners are like revolting because <laughs> everyone's having like this like very visceral reaction to hmm. this drop. Hmm. And they looked it up, and it's like this actual condition that a lot of people have, where it's like biting and chewing sounds like make you like visibly uncomfortable huh. and gives you the urge to flee. R- what? <laughs> yeah. How weird. Yeah, I wonder why. Strange. But so I just want to make sure we don't have that with that crazy. <laughs> I can redo it at a lower. Lower tone. I can. Do you want me to slow it down a little bit? We'll have to get a. Let's get a clean version of it later. Yeah, yeah I'll use your low voice next. What are you doing? Oh, sorry, let's get another one. Yeah, here. Let's Scott get fixes it after the no, show. I mean, so can can I get a clean take? Yeah, go do it. Review of the week. Do. Okay, I'll change it. I'll and I run it through a new one for the next show. Okay. All right, the review of the week is from. It's awful. It's <laughs> awesome. How about uh, from uh. from Neil E. Buck? 
Wish There Was More is the title. My criticism is also my praise for the show. I wish there was more of it. I miss the old longer episodes, and I wish they put out episodes more frequently. Regardless, this is a fantastic podcast, my favorite Bjork podcast. Jay is an incredible host, and the guests are great. Stay sour. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. That's very nice. Uh, and nice this problems. this has been Review of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is awful. That's so great. <laughs> All Jeff, right. Jeff laughing in the background, too. <laughs> Jeff's got the, he's got the best laugh in the business. I love it, and yeah. Just hearing the little, the little laughs in the background is great. All right. I think that's good off the top. Let's yeah. get in some beer information. Yes, please. Okay. So, uh, Avery, we were talking in the, in the break. There's some subjects I kind of want to get into with you guys, especially on, like, you know, I know uh, Jeffrey was on the, um, the spontaneous... Uh, what am I thinking? A craft brewers conference mm-hmm. presentation, and that was that was awesome. Uh, we kind of recapped that a little bit after that uh, conference on the on the podcast. But what I'm really interested in is your guys' process, kind of from the beginning of your spontaneous brew day, you know, the day before, you know, milling the grain, whatever you're going to do, till you know the the evening cool ship knock and knockout, and even even a little into the next day, if you could mm-hmm. just kind of cover that whole process. No pressure. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> it's an intense process. It's uh, a lot of fun. The brew day is very different than a normal brew day. We've got a two vessel, really simple brew kit. Typically doing infusion, you know, single infusion mashes. So the turbid mash is a lot of fun. We do typically mill the day before, sixty percent barley, forty percent raw unmalted wheat. Our wheat's coming from Texas. Some of the barley is now coming from Texas as well, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, so we'll mill the day before, come in the next morning typically around like 5 a.m. because we need the water to be as hot as possible. And since we don't have an an instant hot water system online right now, um, we are boiling all of the water. So we come in really early. The kettle's typically already full. It's at like 185 degrees Fahrenheit. We bring it up to to boiling, transfer it to the hot liquor tank, and then we can begin. Do you have have 180 degree water running into your brewery? Or how does it, how how do you walk in and it's like that? We usually fill it the day before Mm -hmm. and heat it up then. And then when we come in in Mm -hmm. the morning, it's usually, it will have dropped from boiling to 185. Typically, it's cold enough outside when we're doing this type of beer. It'll cool overnight. Is there insulation? No. Uh, The kettle, well, I mean, the kettle is a fire, I'm sorry, a steam kettle. So there's, I mean, it's jacketed, but it's not, you know, we don't leave the boiler on all night. Mm -hmm. And then the hot liquor tank is not jacketed either, so. No, it is not. So it'll lose 212 Mm -hmm. to 185 Mm -hmm. about the time you're ready to sparge? Yeah. Well, yeah, by the time we're ready to sparge, it's sitting at around 190. Then what do you use for strike water then? Yeah, so we'll, we boil, we send to the hot liquor tank, Uh and then we begin dough in, right? So we'll heat up the mash tun, drain that water. Typically, so for these brews, we're striking at like 134 degree Fahrenheit for a 113 degree Fahrenheit rest mm-hmm. in the very beginning. It's really not very much water at all, so it's very, very dry in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's a very wet mash, but we're adding, yeah. yeah, at the end, but we're adding like 20% of the total water to strike. And then we're letting that sit for about 15 minutes once we're completely doed in and it's consistent. And then, uh, yeah, 15 minutes later, we'll add another like 20% of right. the total volume of water which is about twice as much water as we would typically use. So we're using like two quarts per pound for the turbid as opposed to 1.1 quarts per pound for typical infusion. And you're just adding it until you get to a temperature. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're adding 220 gallons of water in the beginning, 134, 35 degrees Fahrenheit to reach a 113 degree rest, temperature rest. And then adding more water, bringing it up to the next step, which is around 126 degrees Mm. protein rest. At that point, we'll rest for maybe 20, 30 minutes, and then we'll louder a small amount of the wort off into the kettle, allow it to come up to 190 degrees. We'll add more water to the kettle. 
So at this point, we've got wort in the kettle. We've got water in the mash tun, is what I meant. And it's basically just a series of adding water, running off wort, adding water to the mash tun, running off a bit more wort, bringing that up to 190 degrees. When you took the, put that wort into the kettle and brought it up to 190, you stopped the uh, conversion. Right. At this point, there's still I'm losing track of all the liquid. I know. It's a, still... it's a difficult thing to talk about, honestly, because if, oh, you, yeah, if you're not looking at it on, on paper. No, no, I'm sure. sorry. Maybe we should. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm totally into this. Yeah. But uh, the wort you're running off, is there still a whole bunch of water in the kettle? from? No. Your, so, okay. we, so we boil. We transfer everything to the hot liquor tank. Oh, kettle is okay. now empty. Gotcha. Because it was just, we're, it was only in the kettle to, to heat. Sure. And then we move everything over to the hot liquor tank, and that's where we're pulling all of our liquid for all of these water additions. Is this a, a manual mixing, or a, yep. you have mash rakes? Um, so we do, okay, well, we do have rakes in the mash tun, but we are manually adjusting the temperature. So we're adding cold liquor, and we're adding hot liquor mm. to achieve an exact temperature for the water as gotcha. we're adding it over. But we only really do that for this particular type of brew in the very beginning. Every other water addition, like... So that first one is 134 degrees to reach that first temperature rest, and then every water addition past that is boiling or is as close to boiling, right? So just hot liquor. It's typically around 205 degrees. So strike, dough in, rest, Mm -hmm. add a little bit more water after that initial rest, and then we louder, and then we add more water to the mash tun, and then we louder. Mm-hmm. And then we add more water not, to the mash. Not tun. continuous at step more. Yeah, we're, we're resting in between each of yeah. these because we're just mm-hmm. bringing it up to, you know, 113, 126, 149. I think 162 is the final temperature. Gotcha. Um, and then at the end of this really fun mash process, we've got a 15 or so barrels, about half of the total water volume in the kettle at 190 degrees. We send all of that back over to the mash tun for a final rest. And this basically stops all enzymatic activity. And at that point, we let that rest for maybe 45 minutes. We Vorloff as we normally would, and then we start our final louder. I want to stop the remaining activity because when you added that hot wa- the boiling or the hot water to, to bring up temperature, you're stopping, you know, in the area you're dropping it in, mm-hmm. you're stopping the conversion there, right? Doesn't it happen pretty quick at those temperatures? There's a lot of volume in the mash tun. Yeah. We're, I mean, it's like 1,250 sure. right. pounds of, of grain. Right. So adding that hot water, we really are just bringing it up to the next temperature step. Do so you think any of the conversion still? There is definitely conversion still happening because yeah. in the beginning, sure. the stuff that's running off of the mash tun is super milky. Mm. It is yeah. just super protein rich. Sure. I mean, it looks like white paint. Right. And then by the time we're reaching that like sacrification rest, it looks like normal wort. Does yeah. Okay. So now, okay, normal in that. Now, what what if you actually created it? You've created this. I'm assuming a really high dextrinous wort, right? Yeah, that was your goal in the beginning. Yep, that's what you. That's what all this stuff work was for to create. Yeah, that, right? exactly. So we don't want a whole lot of protein, gotcha. which is why we do the beta glucan rest, the protein rest, nice. break down all that protein. Mm-hmm. We don't want a whole lot of simple sugars, so mm-hmm. we're kind of skipping over that part of sacrification to achieve really complex carbohydrate, very concentrated mash or you know wort. And then at the end of the louder, we boil for four hours. When you start that final louder, how long has it been in the day? Oh, man. Uh, typically around like maybe noon. So seven we'll hours. have been there for about seven hours. And then the louder is two? It depends. Two hours or so, yeah. That's... Ideally, we will start boil at like 2, 2.30 mm-hmm. um, so that we can be knocking out by like 6 o'clock p.m. So you start your four-hour boil after a nine-hour day. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we come in. It took us a long time to figure out how to schedule, schedule people yeah. <laughs> for this because, in, man, years ago, we all wanted to be there for all of it. So there were a lot of 16-hour days at the brewery. We've abandoned that now. We're like, okay, we've done this before. It's Switch fine. shift maybe. To- I trust you. Yeah. yeah. So somebody will come in and mash in, prep water, mash in, and then when boil happens, we kind of hand off to the next person. And mm-hmm. that person is responsible for adding hops, boiling, whirlpool, final rest, and then knock what, out so into the cool ship. Okay, what's the reason for the four-hour boil? Obviously, um, it changes the volume, but that's not the reason, I think. Yeah, honestly, I don't have a really great answer to that. Uh-huh. Of course, we are seeing quite a bit of evaporative loss, so yeah. we're concentrating that work sure. even further. Right. We'll see an increase in gravity of several points. We use like specific gravity at, at the brewery. We don't use Play-Doh. I, I can convert if I need to, but for the most part, we'll see like one-degree Play-Doh of increase in sugar, you know what I mean? So quite a, quite a bit, that's if not maybe a little bit more. Let me chime in on that for just a moment. I mean, you know, the conventional wisdom is like you're trying to drive off these kind of, uh, you know, cheesy hop aromatics. Personally, like with our aged hops, like, and and, and Jay and Alex were just up in our our hop barn when they were down here in in Texas at Jester King. The hops are just so old and just so kind of wilted and dried out that that kind of cheesy phase is kind of long since gone. And they're almost kind of like more herbal and and kind of peppery and, and kind of, funky and barnyardy uh but not in like a cheesy way more like and a dried so, spice yeah exactly and so i've, I've kind of questioned like the necessity of the the four-hour boil as, as well we still do it because uh, you know kind of like per the the lambic and, and goose tradition but um i mean for instance uh you know we, we do a collaboration a spontaneous collaboration every every winter with uh with chase healy at american solera and for whatever reason, not to speak for Chase, I think it's just like a convenience thing. He does like a, a typical like one hour boil for his spontaneous beers, and he's using aged hops as well. And uh, his beers are great. So I don't know. I've, I I don't have a great answer either on the four hour boil, other than like that's the tradition. That's part of the fun too, and it's a lot of what you guys are getting into at Jester King, where it comes to you know the traditional way of making this beer and the method goose that uh, I think a lot of people listening to this are familiar with but we can get into a little bit more after the break but i also think a lot of what you guys are doing is the innovation of spon- american spontaneous beer and i think that's a, that's a really exciting uh process there mm-hmm. as well why do you use uh og i don't can't remember hardly ever hearing professional breweries that don't use play-doh no, that's plenty i think oh, are there really few, yeah. oh, okay all right we're just yeah. glorified homebrewers <laughs> Good. Australia, australia they use specific gravity yeah, that's yeah. just how you come up you know, okay. come up in the game. Yeah. Right-handed, left-handed. Mm-hmm. Right-handed is better. Play-Doh, gotcha. Play-Doh is better. Maybe it, <laughs> it probably just stands out in my mind when just hearing them say Play-Doh because then there's always on these, on these shows, oh, well, we need to convert that to OG. So I, I just, I guess it went down in my mind as everyone just uses Play-Doh on the pro side, but that's yeah. not true. Ultimate trump card is metric. You work at a metric yeah. brewery. It's like, oh, man, you guys are awesome. <laughs> They're cool. We do not, but uh, maybe one day. Who knows? So you you boil this thing in next to three hours, and then uh, what do you do? Now you got the wort. Now, where's it going to go in that day? Pause. Is it stainless or fooder? Or Let's answer that question after oh. the break. Oh, Let's do that. We'll tease it. After the break. It's my Seacrest. It's been a while since I busted that out. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Seacrest. <laughs> You're such a good host, Jay. We'll be right back on uh, this hour hour. (laughs) With over 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions, Moylan's Brewing Company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. 
It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, <laughs> nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. Yeah. It's to help you out. Yeah. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. got to try it on tap at Moylan's in Novato. They're freaking awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers. Boom. Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four-pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. with the East Bay, and you're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewer Network with Jay Goodwin. All right. We are back to Sour Hour. Were we recording in the break or no? We should have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of discussion. Great discussion. Um, and one thing I want to get get into off the top, but we did tease a question out. Yes. Hey. By Tasty. And even though it's Tasty... All tasty questions, all listener questions are brought to us by sourbeerblog.com. There may be a new article by now because we're now <laughs> late in late March in the, uh, you know, well, you know, in the future. Oh, right. Yeah, well, that's right. Yes. I'm sure there will be. But is. in case there's not, check out the latest one, which is on Jester King. Awesome article on Spawn Beer. And as is Dr. Lambic's tradition, it's a deep dive. If you have not been to sourbeerblog.com, you have to go. It is a, an amazing resource for sour beer brewers, and it's just great to have uh, him and Milk the Funk, and I'm proud of what we're doing here on the Sour Hour. The Jester King blog is a great reference, um, and we got Mike Tonsmeyer coming on on the, the next show to uh, talk more about American Sour Beers. He was our very first guest. Yes, he was. And uh, it's going to be great to have him back. Mike's blog was um, uh, just hugely influential on us as well. Mad Fermentationist. Yeah. Yep. And, and you guys do a great job kind of continuing on in that tradition, for sure. I, I always in, enjoy reading your blog, jesterking.com slash blog? Jesterkingbrewery.com. Brewery.com. Okay. Yep. Tasty, you were asking about the rest of the, the hot side. Yeah, I was uh, wondering. Or maybe uh, you it's know, now we're getting into. Oh, it's still It's not like we're done with yeah. the boil. Uh, you know, it's been a long time. Maybe maybe one thing just more on the boil. Uh, I want to get ask Jeff you in a second about hops and some other aged hops and some other stuff. But one interesting thing that uh, when we were down there was the... How do you actually put the hops <laughs> in the kettle? How do you get them out kind of thing? And you guys are working a lot on that. And I don't know if it was just our brew, but maybe it spurred some more conversation on on how to do it. How have you done it? How are you doing it now? How do you want to do it in the future? So our kettle is not designed for the use of whole leaf hop. Pellets are great, super easy to use on our, on our kit, but the whole leaf stuff... It's really difficult to get into the kettle and clean that stuff out. So in past years, we were basically just putting the whole leaf hops into nylon mesh bags and kind of teabagging them into the kettle. I'll be cutting that out. Yep. Yeah. Timestamp. I'm sorry. I thought I was on the session. No, no, no. no. They'll use it against you later on. You'll, you'll you know, hear you. Wonderful. <laughs> you put it in because you've got the brown thumbs. <laughs> yes, I do have brown thumbs. Yes, there's yeah. that too. Yeah, so we'll just yeah, big, put... Loosely in a, yep. in a big hop sack yep. like, so they can kind of move uh-huh. around freely. Mm-hmm. I have brown <laughs> thumbs. <laughs> oh, <God. See>? Yep. <laughs> you shouldn't have signed that release Do you have problems? No. Nope. Do you have 
problems weighing down the, the tea yeah, bag? Yeah, so, so when you guys were there, it was like the first or second time. Scott, just stop. <laughs> It was like the first or second time show, that we Scott. used uh, the apparatus that we had kind of hooked up on the kettle. Mm-hmm. We basically fabricated a large stainless steel pulley pulley system and container for the holy pops. But, you know, physics escapes us. We're not... <laughs> so we're not we, scientists, so, damn it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're not a water chemist. You're not a No, you're I'm not, not a, a physicist. You're not a physicist. <laughs> Yet, I'm working on it. Uh, but yeah, so we we submerged this, and it just kind of floated at the top because the hops are light. They're not. It's not dense. It's not heavy. Um, so even though the stainless steel you'd think would be heavy enough, it's not. Hmm. So very aggressive boil. You know, lots yeah. of movement. So once the hops are saturated, it's fine. Um, we kind of decided after that day that we were not going to use the stainless steel <laughs> container anymore. It was also like a third of the size that I'd requested. Uh, <laughs> like we're not going to be able to fit any of these hops in here actually because they're who, who, not. Who did that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take responsibility for this, for sure. No, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so we we have 86 the use of the stainless steel cage, and we are back to using nylon bags. But we now have the pulley system, which was what we needed anyway. Um, the issue was that after after your boil and you just have this you know stainless steel cord with super heavy bags of hops on it, it was very difficult to get the stuff out. Um, so we really just needed kind of like a pulley system to remove them from the kettle. So we have that now, and that Absolutely. makes it much easier. Practical problem. When you yeah. Deal with. I mean, it's also, you know, like you said, thirty barrel brew house, and that means you're gonna use a lot of hot. What is the the? I, this is something I want to get into a little bit more, but just typically, what is the uh, the hop rate for the dry hops on the Spawn series? Um, so I really like this kind of a sweet spot between um, like half a pound and three fourths of a pound per barrel. So we're kind of doing like two thirds of a pound. For a lot of the things, but I changed it. We changed that up for every recipe. So it's a that we, lower than I. It is a little bit lower. I've been hearing the first of couple of years that we or the first year we did this, we were hopping at like one and a half pounds per mm-hmm. barrel, or something like that, and uh, that beer was super bitter. Even though the hops were aged as what? you know several years already, yeah. it was very very bitter. So we started dialing that back quite a bit. But I really like playing around with the hopping rate because it does give us quite a bit of blending stock that we can kind of work with. Gotcha. And so now we're now we're back to your question, TC, which is like kind of the knock the knockout in the boil. What what gravity is it going to come out of the kettle at? Typically around one thirty eight, one thirty nine, or I'm sorry, ten thirty nine. So ten Plato ish. And then uh, you you know use uh, some sort of chilling. uh, Yeah, so we have a cool ship. Cool ship. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to go cool ship. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. And it holds the whole batch size. Yeah. So so hot right now. So yeah, cool ships are so hot right now. (laughs) ship yeah so so our barrel room has a second story a mezzanine le- level mm-hmm. um and in the previous years we had a smaller stainless steel mobile cool ship that was about 18 barrels so not a full-size batch for our kit we would kind of move that into the to the barrel room uh during the season and knock out into that on the ground uh, last year we designed fabricated in-house a an amazing copper cool ship that's upstairs in the mezzanine in the northwest corner and we can open up the windows and the doors and everything we've got the texas hill country cold night air that kind of cools everything and then it's also inoculated in that vessel so you've put in a workway that takes it up yeah we've got hard piping um from the brew house over upstairs cool i've seen it in action it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing it's cool beautiful mezzanine cool ship room nice Mm -hmm. place to hang out and have a beer Mm -hmm. while you're watching it fill what is the depth of it about 18 inches do you do a whirlpool in your, in your kettle? Mm-hmm. That works pretty effective whirlpool. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. 
And the the words is is clear at this point, or is it still? Yeah, it's actually pretty pretty, pretty bright. Yeah, and it's very yellow, of course. Mm-hmm. We do get a little yeah, bit of color. It's actually up. kind of orange uh, with the, with the long boil. It yeah, becomes, oh, it's uh, kind of darkened. Some caramelization yeah. Or, or, or yeah, not a whole coloring. lot. I mean, it is a four hour. It's not a direct fire kettle, but it's a four hour boil, and we are we do see a bit of color pickup and just kind of concentration. But then you've also seen the beers, you know, that we've had, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know about you. I, orange I, is gone. I, yeah, I wouldn't have picked up any darker color. Or of course, like when that. they're uh, hazy, they t- it lightens them up quite a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. A lot of times, an orange beer will be yellow. That's if true. It's, if it's got haze, mm-hmm. that's true. Sorry if this is dumb, but with the cool ship being open to air, does it never happen that just something not good flies in there, and this entire pool of liquid all of a sudden sucks? How can that never happen? Oh, it it happens. Okay. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while the stuff tastes like terrible. Okay. Um, every once in a while we don't get the right proportions of inoculant to where fermentation doesn't really happen. It doesn't happen very often. We have dialed in our process quite a bit, but every once in a while, you know, and there are just some times when we come in and we've got, like, moths kind of floating oh, in no the top. Way. Not too many. But the whole idea of doing it this cold, there aren't a whole lot of insects flying around. You know, they're yeah. dormant under 45 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so... Dormant might not be the right word, but they're not moving around. They're not right. flying around, so we don't get a whole lot. And now that it's up on the mezzanine, we don't have, like, raccoons and deer coming into the barrel room drinking from it anymore. <laughs> oh, that, that was happening? Uh, I swear it's probably happened. I no. wanted to put up a camera, but... Because, I mean, wow. we would just leave, it, to, leave it out. They're in there anyway. The yeah, the there are deer all over the property. We only, we only filled four punchins on this one. It's yeah. six. What happened here? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, Jeff, I want to throw it to you because you, uh, when we were down there, seemed to have a very good, like, sensory relationship with, like, the one-day-old, two-day-old spawn wort slash beer. And that fascinated me because, you know, I thought you weren't really supposed to drink that. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm glad, but I'm glad you're, you're doing that. Uh, you're taking that bullet for everyone. So what can you report back on, uh, number one, your health, and number two, the results? Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm still still kicking, fortunately. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I I, I just am always been really curious, kind of like what the beer tastes like when it's just a, a couple of days old. And I mean, yeah, the pH hasn't dropped a whole lot by then, so there could be like enterobacter or just some things that are pretty pretty harmful. So you know, I am a little mindful of that. But like, I'm just, I mean, the fact that like this style of beer making even works is like just still blows me away. And like. I can't help but like wanting to know like really, really early on, like how it's tasting, not because I'm expecting to like be marveled by like this, this great beer or anything, but I'm like, did it go off the rails really fast? Because sometimes like when there's something really rancid early on or, uh, it's acetic really quick and that's usually a bad sign that it's not going to recover. So what's I'm kind of looking for, like within the first you know couple days of fermentation is like, it's going to be some really bitter, really astringent, not very drinkable beer, but like, is it, is it kind of clean? Like, is it have like some really rough edges, but at least still drinkable, you know, in, you know, one or two ounce quantities. And, and, and that usually tells me like, this is a good sign, give it time. It's going to be patient. And, and then, you know, I would say like after, after a year, it's, it's actually decent more more often than not, but still a little like rough, maybe still a little bitter, astringent or, um, you know, not just, just kind of like really this almost like refined, very, very just like, just so, um, wonderful to, to drink, but usually about like 24 months, it really feels like a, a great sweet spot where it just becomes like all the rough edges are kind of getting smoothed out where like, I think we need, as Avery was describing, we need to create this like kind of 
tough, rough around the edges wort that's like built to like fight off a lot of organisms that want to just just destroy it. But then as it kind of gets older, it starts to mellow out and gets more mature. And it's almost, I mean, I like to analogize it to almost like a, you know, like an adolescent with an attitude problem that like, it's just kind of hard to be around early on. But by the time they get into their, maybe, you know, their twenties or even middle age and start to be a lot like more pleasant to be around. And, and I think that's kind of like the analogy I like for this, this, the word as it transforms over time. Just give it time. So when you taste it at that one or two day, kind of time frame i'm only gonna ask this because tasty's here but is this a spit or out or swallow situation <laughs> <laughs> swallow you, yeah, okay I'm, I'm, that's, I'm seriously asking though because sometimes you can kind of get these flavors and you know not actually drink the liquid honestly it, it tastes like uh it just it tastes like wort mm-hmm. still so as long as it doesn't taste weird yeah um and as long as it still kind of tastes like wort it is going to be bitter but it's pretty, it's okay. Gives you a little gas. Yeah. Yeah. And those ones that, you know, just seem wrong or there's something off, maybe it's a matter of degree, but, you know, you're going to commit a year to three years to this beer. What's the cutoff? Are you just saying like, hey, guys, this sucks at 24 hours and we better dump it and brew something else? Yeah, I mean, usually um, just... You know, with the with the punch and barrels, and they're kind of like our, our designated spontaneous barrels. We'll like let the beer go for probably at least a a season. But yeah, if it comes to the next season and that beer isn't is still in a really lousy place, um, yeah, we'll dump the barrel and, and refill it with the next season's beer. But just just on like a sheer curiosity standpoint, like I I feel like you you can almost kind of tell earlier rather than later. Yeah, that's the big advantage of tasting things as you go. Yeah, so when absolutely. you realize this is ne- never going to be, when you have one that was never got where it wanted to be, you can go back and say, oh, I experienced this early on. Yeah. And, too, you know, we're still so young in doing this. We're still yeah. trying to figure it all out. Right. So we haven't really dumped any of the spawn stuff when it starts tasting weird. I'm still very curious yeah. as to, like, will it ever clean up? That's... Will something different happen? And if it does taste bad and we don't want to use it for blending, can we do something else to it? Do, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Some video in there. It always blows. I'm just thinking back to what Jeff said that uh, he can't believe it works. It, it is. Yeah. I can't believe it works. This, this method, yeah. you know, it's, it's, there's a magical. It is. Thing it's about magic. It. Yeah. It's like playing the stock market futures. You know, you're making. <laughs> yeah. You got stuff Seriously. Today. gambling. You may have yeah. shit in two years. Totally. But can you believe that? Is it, this is the first season packaged, mm-hmm. right? This is their first try. Uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Does that mean it's only going to get better for me? I mean, I guess you never really know with spontaneous so. stuff, but I think yeah, God, I mean, first shot. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a high high bar, right? You guys messed up. Yeah, <laughs> we should have made it like <laughs> eighty percent as good as this. And then you would have had some some room for growth because this is up there, man. Can we go over quickly how you all would approach this if you were attempting to do something spontaneous on the homebrew scale? What would you do? First thing I do, Scott, is go to the Wine and Hop Shop. Uh-huh. Wineandhop.com. They got barrels. It's where you get your sour beer, wild yeast in from Omega and Giga. Although, no, you're not putting yeast in this because per your question, it's uh-huh. going to be spontaneous. Right. Most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, BN listeners in the continental U.S. get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff likes this much just, good shipping rate. Yeah, just enter <laughs> BN shipping in the notes field. Also say how much you love the Jester King episode of the Sour Hour uh, of the shopping cart, and the discount's going to be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. But I've, I've been very intrigued to do spontaneous beer at the Rare Barrel at, you know, we don't have a, a, a brew house, of course, but 
different temperatures of knockout and, you know, just getting really into new areas of spontaneous, you know, uh, do a spontaneous beer without all those mash steps. Just run a regular ward off, fresh pellets versus aged whole leaf hops, different temperatures. You know, there's some ways you can emulate cooling by using glycol or immersion chillers and stuff like that. There's all these avenues. So, um, but if you're home brewing, James Howitt from Black Project had a great point because he, I think, started at uh, Black Project with like a basically a big kettle on the roof. And the amount of surface that was exposed to the volume ratio was really important to him. And I thought that was an interesting point because mm-hmm. homebrewers often want to have a food pan, you know, a catering pan kind of mini cool ship, but perhaps that's too fast of a cooling rate. But then is it during summer or something like that? Or does it ever get down cool enough to where you can actually go agent in a carboy or a smaller oak barrel or something like that? You know, good place to start is start on small captures. If if you're in this to win it for the long haul, you should be doing this stuff every winter all the time. You know, just grab a flask, some wort, leave it out, take it in, evaluate it, spit. (laughs) You know, um, we've pulled off wort from our cool ship and and put it into carboys for fermentation before. And and we've been pretty happy with those results. I I think I I can't remember. Maybe it was even Michael's book that – kind of showed like O2 diffusion rates and like various vessels and like the O2 diffusion in a carboy, which, which I t- still don't fully understand because, you know, it's a glass vessel. I, I guess it's just the headspace, um, you know, like a, a six and a half gallon carboy filled up like to five and a half gallons of beer. Like that O2 diffusion rate is actually like more than you'd get in, in, in an oak barrel. And then, um, and then, you know, I, I personally don't like a lot of oak character and and spontaneously fermented beer or even just sour beer in general. So I don't, I don't think you need like this fancy fleet of, of, of uh, you know, former wine barrels to start a home spontaneous program. I mean, actually, speaking of Michael, uh, last time the Craft Brewers Conference was in uh, Washington, D.C., I, I went and uh, had some beers with him at his house and saw his you know, fermentation cellar in his, in his, you know, down in his basement. And, Humble brag. You know, yeah, he, you know, just had a bunch of uh, carboys going with some uh, – you know, some kind of DC culture that he just kind of, and, um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, Jay, you kind of hit the nail on the head, man. It's, it's just having to be uh, having a disciplined process behind it and doing it over and over and over, uh, because a lot of it isn't going to take, and a lot of it's going to be lousy. So just getting a program going at home is, uh, it's, totally doable. I agree. We're going to get to a quick break before, right before we do. If you guys want to fruit your spontaneous beers, I highly recommend Oregon fruit products. One of our favorites, great, great aseptic purees, easy to use, convenient to store, no additives, tasty, or nor like artificial it. flavors. Tasty is only down with a certain kind of additive. <laughs> That's for sure. And it's usually not the fruit. <laughs> Cookies. Exactly. Yep. This is simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers to help us tasty innovate. They make it so easy. They make it so easy. Uh, check them out. Fruitforbrewing.com, Oregon Fruit. They bring fruit to life. Right. To life. Let's get a break, and then Please. we're coming back for our last segment. We're going to squeeze in more thank yous to sponsors. We're going to squeeze in a beer that we're going to open from Just King. We're going to squeeze in asking Jeffrey about method goose. We're going to ask him about how to age hops. We're going to do all that and wrap up with the, the famous last question. <laughs> okay. Right after this break, we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. This is Pete from the Garage Project, Wellington, New Zealand, and you're listening to The Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. All right, we're back. Spoiler, I have a new favorite beer. Oh, uh, oh I haven't tipped it yet. <laughs> it looks amazing. Before we get into that, and that's the nature of the spoiler, I want to tell you guys to listen to other BN shows. What shows are those, Tasty? This is the Sour Hour. I'm a big fan of the uh, Dr. Homebrew. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very educational. JP and Brian. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And then there's the Jamil show. Ones. I hang on that one mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the session. <laughs> okay. You know, three hours of, free, of drinking free every week. <laughs> <laughs> how can you beat, how, how can you beat that? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah, listen to this. If you, I mean, everyone, I, I miss you, Tasty. I, you know, I love when you we come on the show. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I hang out with those other guys, though. Although I'm, I've been meaning to go see Doc. I need some work done. Doc needs a little hug here and there. Yeah. He needs some work done, oh, too. Oh, you need some work done. I'll, I'll go give him a hug. But yeah, I need some well, hug your dentist. inside of my mouth work. <laughs> okay, that was great. Okay. <laughs> Turn it over to me. I'll fuck it up. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of great things, the iDip, Avery, you're going to get one at Jester King. Why not? Because it's for home or commercial use. Water testing kit. Get that water. It's incorporating a revolutionary photometer. That was your... Photometer. That's your word. <laughs> Which that was is two a, weeks ago. So change your mind. <laughs> yeah, that you're right. Photometer. Uh, it's the first and only on the market with its own app. The iDip can perform over 40 water quality tests like chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. I can already tell I'm, not, I'm like getting worse. <laughs> I shouldn't save these for the last uh, segment. Uh, yeah. Remember this one? Oh, yeah. yeah that's I dip. You can play this. I'll read the rest of it. Go ahead. Yeah. I bet that. Oh, yeah. Podcast listeners enter code TBN10 at checkout and save $10 on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. Yeah. Oh, I made that. You found your group. Yeah. I do. I do. I do. Right, I love to do that every time. Okay, yeah, yeah, he needs to bet every time, but note to self. One more sponsor thing. Okay. Nishimini Creek. Uh, I don't know what song to pull up for that. No, that's fine. I feel like it sends this creek, maybe like Blackwater. What's that? Roll <laughs> yeah, Blackwater. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you, or should I wait? I'll wait. For yeah, I'll, okay. Like Doobie Brothers, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Nishimini Creek Brewing. 
Philly Beer Scene since 2012. Three-time Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brewer of the Year. 14, 15, and 16, Scott. Amazing. Two-time GABF Vienna Style Lager Medal winner. 13 for gold, 16 for bronze. Bronze for smoke lager in 2016. Impressive. You guys have been listening to the last episodes. You know what's up. They got a renovated tap room, 24 beers on tap, 18 rotating, tons of different styles, IPAs, lagers, saisons, sour beers, free brewery tours on Saturdays, new second location opening this spring. We should find out where that is. Yeah. So we can say. Let's hope it's Northern California. still a secret, I hope. Check out NishiminiCreekBrewing.com, N-E-S-H-A-M-I-N-Y. Why? I don't know if this one fits quite as well. <laughs> They'll make everything all right. Okay. Because they're at oh. com. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to throw in a bonus for the uh, people that go to Neshemini. Okay. Yeah. If they send me a picture of them at Neshemini, oh. I will uh, email to me. I will send them a free uh, tasty sticker. Hey. Oh. That's good until April 1st. Anything after April 1st, I will not honor. Can we get a extension to April 20th? Only April 20th. It won the 19. No good. But on 20, it's good. <laughs> no, no, no. April no? 1st. April 1st. These shows are, are, are uh, airing in, in March. March. Yeah. Perfect. That's, well, this is the second show of March, though. All right. Make, I'm announcing an ext- right, we'll special it, extension to April 20th. I'll make it 20th. on 420. On 420, I'll make it 419. It's on 420. I won't be able to mail anything. You're not going to go to the post office? <laughs> I'll be at some place else. <laughs> I'll be getting picking up mail. Well, hey, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Got to uh, be a picture. And if you get to t- one of the uh, tasty at the brewing if, if, if you get a picture of one of the uh, owners with you, I'll give you a, two, a, two, three? a an extra little sticker. A little something. A little something. Okay. There you go. All right. Is that tasty at the brewing network dot com? All right, I'm, that's I'm, excellent. I'm picturing uh, out of state <laughs> listeners booking their flights to Pennsylvania right now. Hey, for yeah. a sticker, they'll, I mean, they're that's, really, they're, the fares are so low. That's, that's not, right. right. They can fly Southwest for free, basically. <laughs> they're not a sponsor. We'll strike that. This segment gotta, brought to you by Southwest yeah. Airlines. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Southwest Airlines. We'll go trolling for that. Okay. Hey, let's talk about beer. Yeah, let's please talk about. Beer. Oh, I got to sip this beer. You sip that beer. I really need to. I want to get to this beer. I want to ask Jeffrey a few questions. Oh yeah. Let's talk about hops, baby. H tops. <laughs> how do you guys, how do you guys do it? You know. Oh, you guys are, are you know. Uh, you have some H tops. We have not done that at the Rare Barrel yet. How do I start? What, what's the best thing to do? What are your What have you been your ups and downs? What's going on with aging hops at Jester King? Well, it started really simply, and, and we have had some ups and downs. Live Oak Brewing in Austin, which is located uh, in East Austin by the airport, uh, who, by the way, makes just some of the best uh, Pilsner and Hefeweizen in, in America. Plus uh, one on that. Seriously re- and Grunt Yeah, Husky. seriously recommend seeking them out. They had uh, a couple boxes of just some 2001 uh, Spalt that was uh, only 1.5% alpha back then. And um, so we were throwing them. Not long after we got them, we figured, oh, you know, they've been hanging out for a long time. They're, they're effectively aged. But as, as Avery was mentioning, you know, we still got a lot of bitterness out of our first cool ship season. That, wow. that beer, you know, with the higher ratio, like a pound and a quarter per barrel, plus, you know, hops that really weren't all that well aged, plus pellets. I mean, I think pellets can make mm-hmm. some really wonderful, spontaneously fermented beer, but we have pretty much moved over just a whole leaf because we feel like we don't get as much bitterness but still do get some of the preservative qualities and uh those kind of nice funky uh aromatics and um on 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 that note you know i used to think like um you know kind of this kind of 
rustic attic musty cellar type of character that you get in authentic goose was like just because of like the unique microflora they have in 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 in, in brussels or, or the surrounding area and while that beer is totally unique to its own microclimate man I, I i think there's just a lot to be said for that kind of character of the eight tops uh in you know spontaneously fermented beer at least spontaneously fermented beer that follows the the lambic tradition so it's kind of quickly become one of my favorite kind of ingredients to use in beer uh both uh in the boil and even as a dry hop and uh i mean just final thing i'd say is just like getting our program of aged hops going was super simple just taking those those pellets from live oak putting them into burlap bags and then putting them in kind of a hot place uh, which happens to be the attic of a barn uh, near the brewery simple as that but definitely track it as you go and you know this has been critical for you guys to do your uh, method goose and that's something i wanted to get into now and i'll just preface this with saying that i'm i'm you know a big supporter of what you're trying to do with this um i think it's you know a, a great way to outline the the traditional way of making this style of beer while at the same time we're transferring that over to American breweries or really anyone who wants to use it outside of Belgium, but also a way to say this is distinctly different and be very clear about that. But what, you know, what, for those who maybe are listening and don't know about Method Goose, what, what do you want people to know about it? Sure. Um, so what I, at its core, what I want people to know is that it's a, a way in a, in a very, you know, succinct manner without having to resort to like a, full paragraph explanation that it's beer that is inspired by the tradition of Belgian goose, uh, but done so outside of the traditional region. Uh, so referring to a process, but not an appellation. Like I was, I, I felt like I was running into the, the problem. Like how do I tell someone that this beer was made uh, inspired by Belgian goose, but without saying, you know, this is a beer uh, with malted barley, raw wheat, turbid mash, aged hops, extended boil, cool ship knockout, spontaneous fermentation in oak, blended across three years, you know, unfiltered, unpasteurized. Like, it's, it's just, it's just a, too verbose. It's on a label. Yeah. <laughs> a stone, yeah. stone, stone can fit that on their labels. Well, you just, over, <laughs> you, you go the Vinny route and you do like .05 font around the outside of the label. That's only when he's talking about Lauren. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and and that that and uh, I'm also very pun averse, so I, I didn't really want to, <laughs> to like uh, you know uh, you know pick pick your pun for like you know referring to to, to kind of the lambic tradition and and so um, uh, Avery and, and I um, we we ended up go paying uh, Jean Benoit a, a visit at uh, at Cantillon uh, when we were overseas last spring. Uh, for the uh, Copenhagen beer celebration, we took a side trip to Brussels to uh, have an audience with 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 John, and uh, who's a really just you know wonderfully kind man, very very friendly and welcoming, and and you know we we asked started just asking him questions, like we asked him like you know John, you know can can goose exist outside of Belgium? And he was very adamant, like no, it does not. You know, goose is specific to our our, our region, and our appellation, and our like familial traditions, and and then. Um, you know, we started talking to him about the, you know, the process behind it and how the process is you know, heavily inspired by, by his tradition. And uh, we had him taste our, our, our beer. It was still a little young, you know, it had only been in bottle a couple months, but we had him taste our, 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 our three year uh, spontaneous blend. And, and, you know, that was a very kind of nerve wracking experience. And, you know, he, he didn't say very much about it, <laughs> but he did kind of say, you know, uh, just a one, one 
sentence answer he's like you should be proud of this and then just like he just said congratulations yeah it was just like it was just like very, wow. very and then he said thought, it's metallic you know i couldn't tell him <laughs> no he did uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and i said no it's not oh, that, that aged out <laughs> so uh but, but but john actually um uh recommended that uh you know he he, he ultimately had, had some very nice things to say and just say like you know i think this is truer to our our tradition than, 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 than some other breweries that, that don't kind of ad- adhere to the traditional process as well in Belgium. And, and he recommended that uh, we call it a, a, a method goose, kind of taking a page from like method champenois, like referring to a process, but not necessarily the, the region uh, in which the style originated. So um, I was, you know, very happy to, to, to go with that recommendation just because it accomplished that goal, which again, it's just trying to, let people know how the beer was made and what the inspiration was without having to go through a, you know, a very, very elaborate, uh, description of it. So that's kind of how Method Goose was, was born. And, 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 and as you kind of referenced Jay, this is not a Jester King thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's really any brewer that is kind of inspired by the Belgian tradition of Lambic Goose and Lambic and Goose and wants to brew in this style is totally free to use the term Method Goose. It's, it's, not something that's proprietary. It's not something that, you know, again, it's just for us. It's for, for anyone who I think, you know, meets these kind of, you know, core elements of, of, uh, of what this style entails, which at its heart, I would say, you know, is that kind of verbose description that I went through. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's for everyone. And I think that's great. You know, I'm on, I'm on record supporting this. And if I'll just take one second up on the soapbox, I think what you guys have done is really amazing here. You know, you're you're the ones sticking your necks out and saying, "I think this is going to be a great thing for the brewing industry." And here, here you guys go. Anyone can use this. We generally think this will be agreed upon. But I think you've also been open to a lot of feedback on this appellation, and also, you know, just say, "Hey, hey let's not lose uh, a sight of the overall goal, which is to say that we are going to continue to." innovate as American sour beer makers on the spontaneous side of things. Let's just make sure that all the cool things, all the creative things we're going to do with spontaneous beer that I I referenced sort of earlier when we're talking Mm -hmm. about homebrew methods, stuff I'm interested in and stuff that comes out of circumstance and, oh, hey, I'm a brewery that can't do a cool ship or, you know, we don't have a lofted space where we can get air in or whatever, you know, so I'm going to put it in a coal box and, you know, blow outside air out, you know, take outside air, all that stuff. And let's just say that all the little things that we can tweak that we all want to tweak about every beer that we make because we're American brewers, that's all fine. But let's just make sure that this way if you if you want it's on the table you can use this to describe the style of beer but if you have some other name for your beer already that i think that's fine too if you come up with a name that fits on the menu on the menu board for the consumer yeah if it says method goose it'd be nice someday to know exactly if that's a spontaneously fermented yeah beer. and i i thank you guys All for putting in the work on that because yeah. that's that's where we're going with that it's just, you know, you know what it is but it, but if a brewery chooses to make a beer that way and they don't want to label it like fine. that just come up with a name that it kind of you know that's fine too. So anyway, I'm stepping down from my soapbox. That's just something I wanted to say. Right, I think it's soapbox a great thing. Soapbox of the week. Don't lose But along those lines, I mean, you know, this this isn't like a stand-in. I, I wouldn't say it's a stand-in for for spontaneous fermentation in, in general. For like a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, I mean, there there should be creativity and and you know, spontaneous fermentation. I mean, if you go back millennia, that's 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 all beer. So you know, this isn't meant to represent you know 
all beer or all spontaneously fermented beer, but just like a subset that I think is inspired by that tradition of lambic and goose. And, and, and frankly, I mean, we're, we're interested beyond that, that somewhat narrow tradition as well. I mean, we've been doing spontaneously fermented beers with all kinds of weird adjunct ingredients. You know, the beer that we just did with, uh, with rare barrel, of course, uh, Never you know, we put it. into to cognac barrels. Uh, if we have like a really uh, warm winter day and, and, you know, we still want to, to brew, like we'll even use uh, an immersion chiller to help kind of aid the cooling of the cooling overnight cooling process. And obviously that's not traditional. That's not method goose, but I mean, it's just having fun and experimenting. So, um, I mean, I think the reality is the vast majority of sour beer it seems like everyone's like we said before cool ships are so hot right now it seems like everyone's aging in in spontaneous fermentation so i i guess you know i definitely want people to realize like method goose is not trying to like pigeonhole anyone or be a stand-in for just spontaneous fermentation in in, in general absolutely and it's not even saying this is the best because there's so much more work to be done like you're saying on the innovation of you know maybe there's a way that American brewers develop spontaneous beer that, I mean, this, I feel blasphemous saying this, but maybe there's a way to make it even better than the traditional method. But then even, even in that future bizarre scenario, which I can't imagine, but uh, <laughs> let's say it happens, you can still say that this is method goose, you know? It's like saying this is, you know, English pale ale, except, hey, this is a, an American IPA. Do you like American IPA better? Sure. Yeah, I do. But, hey, it, you still need the the description for English pale ale. I don't think it's going to get to that point. Maybe that's a bad analogy. But you want to know what you're getting. And if there's, like you're saying, Jeffrey, 15 things that go into this beer, it's nice to have just two words that pays respect and is very clear to, yeah. the, to the consumer. So I'm glad, you know, we could get that out there. I think we are running out of time. You guys, I love the times when we have guests for the full yeah. two shows and this is like wall to wall we might need a little coffee before our next beer but <laughs> <laughs> i want to get you guys out on this question which is uh what we asked i think to the last jester king duo but we'll start with uh you avery what's your favorite color what is your favorite color no uh, <laughs> what do you think the biggest mistake in sour beer making is that is a crazy question. I know um, it's out there. Insane. Just like over overall for everybody. That that this question stands. Okay, by a lot. as is. Yeah. <laughs> what is the biggest mistake in sour beer making? Mm-hmm. That was the question. Yes. Um. A reminder. Why didn't that, you let me know this was going to be a question? A reminder that you are under oath. <laughs> yeah. Plead the fifth. You can just tell us your favorite color if you want. Green. <laughs> okay. Moving um, along. You know, Tur- I don't know. <laughs> I think that the biggest mistake in sour beer making is thinking that you know what you're doing mm-hmm. we are all just experiencing the beer that we're making like real time and looking back on it so i don't know we're all doing it very differently it's a really awesome time to be making beer because all everything's on the table you can do basically whatever you want unless it's method goose obviously <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah i think that there's enough room it's just like music there's enough to go around for everybody you can pick and choose what you want you don't have to listen to all of it you don't have to drink all of it if you don't like it don't drink it I don't know that I think mistakes are good too. You learn from them. Mistakes drive innovation. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what do you think? Oh boy, um, <laughs> that's that's tough. I mean, um, I guess maybe if, if if I can kind of give like more of like a slightly literal and slightly philosophical answer. I mean, lit- and, and literal man, I, I think this is 
gotten so, so much, much, much better. But like, I used to get just like a lot of, of vinegar and, and, and by the way, like if, if that's your, if that's your thing and, and you, you like that, then, then great. I'm not here to tell anyone that their palate is wrong. Uh, for, for me though, you know, I'm, I'm pretty acetic acid, uh, ad, adverse. And I think that's just gotten collectively as an industry so, so much better. Where like now nine times out of 10, I'm getting a really, really well-crafted drinkable sour beer. And that's, that's huge. Um, so, uh, I'm just so much more pleased with where sour beer is overall now than maybe three or four years ago. So if to the extent that was like a mistake, I think it's one that's being, you know, very much rooted out. The other thing, and this is more kind of like big picture philosophical, is just like, you know, the inspirations behind a lot of what we do are either like the culinary world or the winemaking world in which, you know, acidity is just like this natural thing. Like you wouldn't like put kind of like this, like, uh, you know, dish that incorporates a lot of citrus and say like, you know, here's my, here's my sour, sour dish for you to try. I mean, it's no, it's just a dish that has acidity. And, and by the way, I'm, I, I love, you know, just, I think sour beer is a great kind of catch all, but I think, uh, and I'm, I, I like, you know, the fact that we're, a, a, you know, many times referred to as a sour brewery, but I would invite people to kind of take a step further and start thinking about it in terms of just like overall balance of acidity and then types of acidity uh, in terms of like this overall spectrum of, of flavors. So um, I think that is to the extent that is a mistake as an industry wide just saying like, oh, it's, it, it's a sour beer. Just like that's all. Um, I, I think there is more to develop into an overall understanding of just how the interplay between acidity and all the other flavors that create this, uh, you know, experiential uh, palette of flavors and aromas. Totally agree. Even coming as a brewery that labels itself a sour brewery, I think that is, you know, the industry term catch-all. But who's to say what that can and cannot be? Yeah. You know, it's just talking about incorporating some acidity into the beer. Speaking of incorporating acidity into beers. I didn't talk about the beer that we opened that I... I would like to incorporate more of it into my glass, if yes. you don't mind. Yes, Beer it? de Le Noir. <laughs> is, this yeah. is this out yet? Yeah, we just released we released this two weeks ago, and it sold out on Friday. Oh, my. Um, so I guess in, like, what, three and a half hours. It was a very small batch, and we only had about 1,000 bottles available. Ooh. Um, wow. Yeah, Thanks but, for bringing us yeah, one of them. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is another, like... I remember on the session a couple weeks ago, I wound up with a box here that I didn't intend to be sent here, and I didn't intend to bring these bottles here. <laughs> I was planning on sharing these with Jeremy from the brewery. And, we'll strike uh, that. We'll strike that. Yeah. Don't, don't tell him. <laughs> I'm going to be very upset. But yeah, I, I think this is one of the best fruit refermentations that we've ever done. And I'm our worst critic also, by the way. I don't like most of the stuff that we do. What? That's, I'm that's, kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. But I really, no, I really am our worst critic, but I do think that this beer is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you've been a, a critic of your own voice and your own beer, both of which are <laughs> yeah. great. So yeah, I, I guess whatever Avery doesn't like, you can rest assured it's great. <laughs> Her farm is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I didn't want to forget that, but we are, we are running out of time. Uh, terrific beer. Oh, so good. All, all, you know. Three three grand slams in one game. Yeah. I think that's a record. <laughs> you guys on steroids or something? Jeez, no, knocking Probably. it out of the park. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's wrap. I want to first off. Thanks, uh, thanks to Jeffrey, who's who's all the way out there taking time out. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Jay. Pleasure to be on, man. Thanks again, Tasty, for coming in. My on pleasure, your, you know, as always. Usual sleep time. It's a great time. Avery, thank you. My pleasure. Let's go get some beer yes. and coffee, probably. Yes, let's please. Thank you, Scott. You did a great job today. My pleasure. Overcome obstacles. Oh, God. Thanks to the listeners. Until next time, stay sour.
have brown thumbs. 